what Marley said, just a tiny snippet, um, the part where she said thank you to everyone who prayed for her, listened to us as we tried to, probably not the best way, explain what was going on. So many people called and texted and drove to Nashville to just be with us and didn't even get to see Marley. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Um, God ministered to us as a family through you guys in a way that he never has before. So I just want to say thank you and how much I love you all so much. God has really, really been speaking to my heart for the past few months. Um, so I'm excited to be speaking tonight and just um, continuing the glory series and I think it's great what we've covered so far and how Jameson told us, you know, when he was introing the series that God is glorious without, if, if, if we were never created, if nothing was ever here except he, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, he's still as glorious as he is today with everything we see, but he chose to invite us in to see him and to make himself known and we can see just glimpses of his glory in everywhere we look and then to go even further and love us when we are truly wicked on the inside and to send Christ to redeem us and use us when he does not need us to further glorify him with our lives. It's not me glorifying God. It's God's glory revealed in me because I'm not good on my own. I'm not drawn to good on my own. I'm not, I can do nothing without him. So when our lives are changed and we are new creations, that's because of God. Me up here speaking tonight or Marley saying, stay faithful and God's goodness, you know, revealed in all the things that we go through. That's not because Marley thought that. That's because the Holy Spirit has comforted her or the Holy Spirit has revealed things to me or all of you. It's not because we're good. It's because God is so good. God's glory is revealed when he transforms a heart and a life and we live for him. It's not because that's just what we naturally want to do. And so I'm excited to um, be a part of this. So thank you, Jameson. Last week, um, Kenny talked about trust and and glorifying God through that. And um, tonight, I want to talk about further glorifying God in our commitments to Him. Um, I asked Jameson, you know, do you have like a specific thing? And he gave me a couple of ideas, and I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to do that. But God led me to actually one of the suggestions that Jameson said. Um, and I want to share with you some things about Rahab. Um, first, I do have a picture. Connie, if you can put that picture up. Now, I may get this wrong. So teachers and students and everybody else who knows this, please forgive me if some of the details are wrong. Um, okay, so this is, I wrote the name down. Uh, Do you know Danielle? <laughs> okay, 
this guy, Fidapidus, I think that's close, okay. He was from Athens, okay, and they were at war with the Persians. This was like 490 BC. And so they're in, in the war and everything, and he had he's like kind of the runner to go tell people different things. Okay, so the day before this, he had ran a long way to deliver a message as well. But this day, he was told to go, they were in a city called Marathon, and he was told to go and tell the, the town where he's from that they've won. They've defeated the Persians. And so he runs and runs and runs. It's 26 miles. He doesn't stop. He keeps going. I'm sure his heart felt like it was going to explode and his legs. I mean, when I run one mile, I'm like, <laughs> I can stop. And so 26 miles, I mean, he's running and running and running because he has a purpose and he is committed to complete that run so that he can deliver the news that they won the race. And he does. He stands <laughs> on this big rock and he shouts, Nike, Nike, that means victory. And then he collapsed and died. He did what he was asked to do, even though his body was given every ounce of what he had left, he finished. He didn't stop. He ran and ran and ran until he reached the destination and delivered the message, and then that was all he had, and he died. So that's where we get the term running a marathon, and that it's 26.2 miles because of this. So I thought that was really cool. I just thought I would throw that in there, um, like a fun fact or whatever, and to, to think about our life, and you know, scripture tells us, and I don't know if I knew this when I was 12 years old, and I asked Christ to come into my heart, and that I wanted to live for Him, and good grief, I've made tons of mistakes since then, and I guess I always will, but scripture says to count the cost, to know what you're actually doing. You you are literally saying, this is no longer my life, regardless of my hopes and dreams and what I want to do in life. That's just hopes and dreams and what I want to do in life. That's not what I'm going to do if that's not what you call me to do. I mean, he may call us to do some things that we really go, this is really not what I want to do, and I really don't want to um, give this up because this is good for me, you know. But that just may not be the plan. That may not be... The purpose and like Marley said sometimes when we're put in a situation we're going okay I know this happens to other people sometimes but why is it happening to me and what if something bad happens I mean you know we get worried about all these things but God's going I love you I know the outcome you may never know the outcome but I know why this is happening trust me trust me so when you count the cost when you surrender your life, a lot of times people think if, if you give it all to God, you're just asking for a life of just torment and despair and poverty and sadness, but it's not like that. When you fully and completely surrender your heart and your life to Christ, you can walk in total freedom. And Galatians 5 says that it is for freedom that Christ died for us so that we wouldn't have to drag all our sins and shortcomings and shame and guilt and everything behind us all the time. You cut it loose and you keep going. Just like that guy did. Um, 
you just run and run and run. And when you mess up, you, you're down, but you don't stay down. You get back up. And just like with Rahab, you know, she's kind of um, described as the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute. That's what she is. You know, we all put labels on people. Divorced, single. Divorced, single too long. Too many kids. When you don't have kids, what's wrong with you? You know, all these things. Everybody thinks they have a, a like, room to judge somebody when none of us have room to judge anybody, honestly. But we do that. And, and Scripture does paint a picture of Rahab for us and and like right at the beginning, you're like, oh, she was bad. She was a bad girl, you know. But we will see that God's sovereignty and his will can never be changed by anything we do. We don't have the power to change God's will because we're living in a way that does not please him. God can use anyone and anything to carry out his Purpose. And in this case, he carried out his ultimate purpose on this earth, and he used Rahab to do it. So I'm not going to read everything because it's a lot, but in Joshua chapter 2, and this is going to sound silly, but my normal Bible that I use is the NLT. I lost it. I don't know where it is. I've looked my house up and down, can't find it. So we're using ESV tonight. I'm so sorry. Anyway, chapter 2. <clears throat> Okay, so Joshua is the, the guy that God appoints directly behind, I mean, directly after Moses. When Moses dies and God buries him, which I think is so cool, Joshua comes up and, and God tells him over and over and over, be strong and courageous. I will be with you. Listen, be strong and courageous. Like, I'm with you. Like, he just tells him over and over and over, I'm with you, don't worry, just trust me, and be strong and courageous, okay? So, you know, in our lives, just because we follow God doesn't mean we're not going to face things that require us to be strong and courageous and totally lean on God. doesn't mean we're not going to cry when we get bad news, and it certainly doesn't mean we're not going to get bad news. You know, it just means we're not alone. And somebody goes before us and behind us because of his glory. When we walk through that, the world sees Jesus in us, not us. That's the miracle. That's, that's the whole miracle of, of following Christ. It's like when you really give yourself to him, the world doesn't see you as a good person. They see Jesus is leading them. There's no way they would be like that without something inside them leading them. There's no way. So let's hear about Rahab. All right, chapter 2. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So God had said, Look, I'm going to give you this land. I need you to send out a couple of people to scope it out, especially Jericho. I want you to really focus on that. But all this land I'm going to give to you. So they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. So what, what kind of made Rahab's place kind of unique was like people were in and out all the time. So they didn't really, they were spies. So they're like having to be secret and stuff. But these two guys going into Rahab's house wouldn't have really caught a lot of attention because of who she was. 
So it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, the men of Israel have come here tonight to search the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. Okay, so the king finds out, okay, these men went to Rahab, so you just go get them. So he did. So Rahab, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on their way to Jordan as far as the forts. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So the gates of the city closed at a certain time. And she just kind of said, right before the gates closed, they left. I didn't, they didn't tell me where they were from. I don't even know who they are. They just came in and left. But really, Rahab had kind of gotten wind that they were coming to take the city and all the great things that God had been doing for them all this time, you know, with Moses and all that. And so Rahab in her heart believed that God was leading them. And she knew something inside. Something was preparing her for what was to come. And it was for these spies to come to her. So she had something inside. I like to think of it as a seeking heart to hide these men because she believed they were being sent by God. So the, the guys go look for them. They left and the city, the city gates closed. So Rahab goes up to the roof to talk to them. Um, before the men lay down, she came up to the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when, he came, when you came out of Egypt. So see, that's what I'm saying. She had all the people there knew how powerful God had acted on their behalf and the things that he had done to protect them. So they knew when, when they were coming for that land that God was going to give it to them because he had been with them the whole time. So that everybody was really scared and they knew that if God wanted them to have Jericho, they were going to have Jericho. So in verse 11, And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So she's like, look, I believe in the Lord that you serve. Uh, please promise me that if I help you, you're going to save us when you overtake the city. That's what she's saying. Don't forget about me helping you. I want my family to be okay. Okay, so the men respond. They say, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives you the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall. So she lived in the wall, and she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go on your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. 
Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. So they're, they're like, okay, when we come back, have this red cord hanging from your window so we'll know where you are, have your whole family in here, and do not leave. They're telling her exactly, explicitly what to do, and do not tell our business. So she said that, you know, she would follow everything, and she immediately tied the cord, so it would be hanging there already. So time goes on, and they, they go tell Joshua, you know, hey, we got it, and there's, but there's one lady, we promise we're gonna spare her life if she's there for us, you know, she doesn't tell anybody, and all the stuff, because she hid us when they were looking for us, so they said, okay, well then, skip to chapter six, all this time has passed, God has told them, okay, this is how you're gonna, you know, defeat the city, you're gonna march around the city, and on the seventh day, you're gonna march around it seven times, and blow the ram's horns, and all this stuff, so, when the walls come down, you get Rahab before everything is, they're gonna burn everything, they're gonna take everything, and they're gonna save Rahab, okay? So in chapter six, um, verse 17, there's just two verses here. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. And then 25, but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So that's just a, a story about what she did, okay? So a lot of people think, or may think that's just insignificant. I mean, all she did was hide those guys so they wouldn't be killed and then lower the road, and that was it. But it's so much more than that. When we do something that seems so small, like I question my life a lot because, you know, I've shared this before. I struggle with, like, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but, like, one child don't live at home and one is a teenager. So I'm like, what, who am I a stay-at-home mom to? I, I mean, I'm just saying I'm a stay-at-home mom, but there's nobody at home with me. So really, I'm just sitting there by myself. So anyway, it's a struggle because I'm like, all my friends who were like teachers and all the stuff that are my age are like going, you know, I'll be retiring in several years and all the stuff, you know. And I'm going, well, I really had not even started yet. So it's just a struggle, okay? So, but in, in those, times God has gifted me I know like the ability to be with Marley when she needed me or the ability to do different things that I would not normally get to do and I do know that and I am eternally grateful for that but a lot of times my point is a lot of times we question those little things that we don't understand about our life mine is not having a job yours may be other things strains stresses feeling insecure, you know, um, somebody in your life that is bringing constant turmoil to you or a diagnosis that you're like, what in the world? You know, all these things. But if we do the small things that God sets in front of us that seem like they're no big deal, but we feel something stirring within us and we know that it's a little bit bigger deal than what it looks like, God can use that in such a huge way like I said earlier, that you may not even ever see in your lifetime. But our life is just like that. I mean, I was 10 years old playing in the backyard two years ago, it seems like. And I'm not, I haven't 
so it goes by really fast. And and before you know it, you're shaping other people, and you're trying to pour into them what God has taught you. And you're like, no, it, it's He's more than just God. He's everything. He's your breath. He's your sustenance. He's the thing that will be with you in the night when you don't have anybody else. And so all your life, you're pouring what God has given you into others. That's what we're supposed to do. That 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 is us glorifying the Lord with our life. That is Him working through us even though He doesn't have to. Showing us things. Teaching us things. When we have our own relationship with Him and we're not depending on the pastor or your parents or your grandmother's prayers or whatever, and you have your own relationship with Jesus Christ, He ministers to you in a way that nobody else can. He gives you peace that nobody else could ever give you. He sustains you in the dark night of the soul where you are at a point where you you don't know if you can go another day. He's the reason you can go another day. Nobody on earth can do that for you. Nobody. Trust me. So Rahab is doing these little things that, God, if she, if she only knew what was to come because of her simple act of obedience. Okay, so she remained in Israel. So she was she got to go with the Israelites. She married an Israelite. Let's see how that worked out for her. In Matthew chapter 1, you know that, that chapter we skip over because it tells one million names and you're like, what the heck does this have to do with anything? It tells from the very beginning of time through Jesus, um, and who was whose dad and who was whose mom and who they had and all that. Well, just a couple verses down. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. So Rahab was a grandmother to David, the king. And then just a few verses down from that, in verse 16 it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. Rahab, you know, she she was a bad girl. She did some things that, you know, even in today's time is really looked down on. There was something in her that she listened to. It was pulling her and pulling her toward truth toward God, and she did not turn a deaf ear to that. She listened. When you feel that inside, that spark or that nudge, when you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, don't snuff that out. Don't turn a deaf ear to the truth just because you don't want to hear it. 
or because it's hard. Do you think Rahab was not nervous lying to the king about the men she was hiding? I'm sure she was shaking in her boots, but she knew. She knew she was supposed to do that. And she is in the lineage of Jesus. Bad past and all. The Bible don't sugarcoat what she did just because she's in Jesus' lineage. In fact, it amplifies what she did every time she's mentioned. Even in Hebrews and James, she's called a prostitute. But she is mentioned because she was faithful to God. When we're called to do things, I just can't, I can't emphasize enough that it's not because we're special picked, like we're favored more than this person. It's not, it's not like that. Like Marley wasn't looked down on or looked better on because she, of what she went through. You know, I've got things in my life that God has enabled me to do, but it's not like I'm special. You know, it's just that I, I have given him my yes. And sometimes I'm thinking, why did I give him my yes? Why? I mean, I feel like I have a target on my back, you know? I mean, and it does feel like that sometimes, but if you have a solid foundation, it doesn't matter how you feel through the day and the ebbs and flows of life. That solid foundation is what keeps you steady. You're going to feel scared. You're going to feel confused. You're going to feel sometimes angry. And sometimes like, what in the world is going on? I mean, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to do this. I want to just forget everything and go another way. But y'all, turning your back on the only sustenance of our life, the living manna come down from heaven to give us everything we need every single day and never run out of grace. And his mercies are new every day. Nothing else in life can give you that. Okay, I'm almost finished, I promise. In Hebrews, I just want to read where she's mentioned, okay? I think it's, if it's in here, it's significant. Hebrews 11.31 this is like the hall of faith, you know, where it goes through and tells about, you know, Noah was faithful to build the ark and all these things. It tells how everybody's faith is recorded and how they push through, even though they never, they never saw Jesus. Like, we, we believe in Jesus. We, Jesus is our Savior. These guys were, were obeying God because of what was to come, but they never saw that in their lifetime. In verse 31, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She was saved because of her faith. We're saved because of our faith. And thank God he gave us eyes to see and ears to hear. And that's what makes the gospel so urgent because there are so many people in this world that don't know the truth. But we do. There's so many people that are not in this room tonight and will never walk through the doors of a church because they don't feel like they belong. When really, we don't either. You know? But because we have the truth, somebody in your life should never not know the truth. 
in James chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, and in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? We can't just say we believe in God or say that Jesus is our Savior or say, God bless you, have a good day, I'll pray for you. That's not how it works. Faith without works is dead. We have to go. We have to we have to be nervous, shaking in our boots, and do the right thing and speak up. Speak on behalf of those who can't speak. Be good to those people that the world shines. Open our heart and our life to the fact that we're no better than anybody else. In fact, we're on the same level as everybody else. It doesn't matter what somebody looks like. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what they've been through in this world. God doesn't love you any more than he loves them. Period. We can't do anything to make God love us more. And they can't do anything to make God love them less. Because God loves us all so much. Out of his holy glory that we'll never understand. He didn't need to do this. He didn't have to do this. He just did it. He sent a part of himself to live among filth. People that would be so damaging and cruel to him and never accept him. And he still sent Jesus to die. That was his whole purpose. He came as a baby. He was raised a toddler and all these things all his whole life to die. That was his whole mission. He, he poured out everything he had. And he cried victory and died. The victory was won when he died because just a few days later, God brought him right back to life. And then he ascended to heaven in front of over 500 people. He's not a myth. Even atheists believe that Jesus was real. He's alive today. And if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you know that. Because you cannot not feel Him. You cannot go a day and not hear from Him. It's not, it's not possible. Even in my worst days, the, my worst mistakes, and I've got some bad ones, okay? There's one thing I can honestly say. I have never felt like God abandoned me. Now, I've been ashamed because I knew I was doing the wrong things. Very well aware of it. I never felt abandoned by God. That's how I know God doesn't abandon us because he's never abandoned me. It's not because my preacher told me that. It's because I, I know. And the more you get to know him, the more that... There's nothing and nobody and nothing can come against what you know to be true. So I challenge you, absorb this word for yourself. Don't take Jameson's word for it. Don't take my word for it. Go home and study it. Read it. Put it up against what anybody says. 
Because this is without error. This is the actual living breath of God, his heart on the page. All his righteousness, all his judgment on sin, everything is in there. And, and my fear is that I would say something that kind of sugarcoats something, and I don't want to do that. I want you to know that we are called to repent. We are called to let ourselves go and die and head straight toward Christ. And that means giving up a lot of stuff that we may not want to give up. But once the transformation starts and you fall deeper and deeper in love with God and you read His Word and you feel, you feel yourself change. You feel it. You can tell you don't want what you used to want. You don't even see life in the same way anymore. You can't help it. Because you're being renewed, you're being changed, and your desires start matching God's desire for you. You're a new life, a new creation with a brand new purpose. And our purpose is to give God glory in everything we do. Because He is glory. We want the world to see Him and not us. So, my challenge that I have felt challenged about, and I'll just pass it to you, is if there's something inside your life that you know you need to, hey, I'm holding on to this too tight, or I'm on the edge of doing something I don't need to do, or I'm playing with something I don't need to be playing with, I've waxed over stuff so much so that the lines have blurred. The black and white has turned gray, and I don't know exactly where I stand anymore. Well, I know who can help you see clearly, and who can who can minister to your heart, and you can let that jump go. This life is temporary, but He's not. And I just I pray that myself included, we just learn to not hold on to it. Let it go. When you feel it creeping up in you, let it go. Let it go. Get it out of there. There's too much work to do. There's too many people that don't know the truth, that don't have the love of Christ in them. And if we can reach them, it'll change everything. And we don't know what's going to happen in generations to come. We just don't know. But God does because He's already there. He's already written it all out. We just have to follow in the footsteps he puts in front of us. I'll pray and we'll have a time of meditation. And I don't want you to feel like I can't go pray because somebody might think something weird about me. Don't worry about that. Who cares? Who cares? You coming down may give somebody else a little bit of courage to come down. You don't know. Somebody might just be like, but if, if you follow the Holy Spirit and do it, it may give them the courage they need. Let's just stop holding back and just just follow the Holy Spirit in, in all our ways and in everything that we do. Just put that pride down. It's just not worth it. It's, it's just not worth it to hold on to it. It only destroys us and keeps God from being able to do what He wants to do through us. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this time to be together. Lord, I thank you so much for 
your word and I thank you for this this family we have here. I thank you for the band and the media team and God how hard everybody works here in the kids department and Lord I just thank you that this is a place where we can come and we can really be a part of it together and I just thank you for that. I thank you for Kenny and how he leads us and I pray that Lord, you'll be with Janice and God as he leads the youth board. And I just I just thank you so much for every person here that it takes to make up our church. And it takes every one of us, every single one of us. And I thank you. I pray, Lord, that we won't take this lightly tonight, that we'll go out and we'll share just what you've done in our own lives. What Marley shared up here spoke to my heart so much. And it was just what you've done for her. We don't have to know the Bible front to back to be able to tell somebody how good you are. And I pray that we'll remember that. I pray that I'll remember that. God, thank you for loving us. I pray that if there is anything in our hearts that we need to surrender to you, or we need to step away from, or we need guidance on or clarity on, God, I pray that we'll just give it to you. Lord, that we'll just, we won't hold on to it anymore, Lord, but we'll just give it to you. Thank you for Rahab. I thank you for her position in life that because of who she was, you were able to carry out your will and transform her heart and use her and in generations, Lord, the generations. And I just thank you for that. I pray that we'll be a people just like that.